Hey guys, what's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spaziti, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spaziti program. Where we talk about financial freedom and economics. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are finally in 2021. I think most of us can confidently say we're happy to say goodbye to 2020. Hopefully, 2021 is going to be better. Uh, but yeah, hey, happy new year. This is pretty fun. Uh, yep. Yeah, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. You know, I know that 2020 was, for most people, it was a dumpster fire, right? It was, it's pretty crappy, you know, there aren't a lot of very positive, happy, good memories, but let's be honest, I mean, if we really, really sit down and think about it, there's a lot of positive things that came out of 2020. I mean, I don't know about you guys, and this may sound really superfluous considering all the other things that happened, but I love curbside pickup when it comes to getting food from restaurants and stuff. I mean, I got a daughter right now, uh, she's a one-year-old, and yeah, being able to pick up food uh, and and not even getting out of my car is great. It's a, it's a wonderful convenience. But on top of that, there's a lot of other positive things. My wife got to work from home. She got to see my daughter grow up for an entire year. She never would have gotten that opportunity had she had to continue going into the office and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of really positive things that have come out of this, as well as negatives. In life, there's always things that happen to us that we we can't really choose. I mean, yes, we can determine the direction of our lives, how we react to the unforeseen and the uncontrollable. We can certainly control our reaction, which can still determine direction. Okay, I, I, I hold that. I firmly believe that. But but there's always good and bad stuff that happens to us. It's, you know, one event will happen in our lives that we can't control. And there are good things that come out of it. And then there are bad things. You know, even in, in the moment, it seems like the bad far outweighs the, the good. But that's not always the case. And sometimes there are times where the good far outweighs the bad. But there's always good and bad things that happen in all of those uncontrollable, unpredictable uh, situations. Even if it's like a natural disaster, there are good and bad things that come out of those. It's never all bad. It's only if you ever really want to see the good. That's the silver lining, if you will. That's really where this boils down to. Are you really in the right mindset? Do you really want to see the, the good that actually came out of something, or are you bound and determined to think of this all as bad? And while it's really, really easy to focus on the negatives, I think that we as human beings, I, I'm, I don't know very many people who aren't like this, but I know that all of us as, as human beings, as the human race, we thrive and we, we crave negativity. We love the negative atmosphere. We, we that one of the re- that's one of the reasons we flock to politics and, and the disgusting, you know, environment that politics is because we love the the negativity. We love the arguing. We love the drama. We love it all, and that's why we watch drama TV shows. That's why we watch depressing and scary stuff. We love all that stuff, and some of us have an appetite for it more so than others. But the fact of the matter is that it's human nature to constantly desire and focus on the negative. So it it takes a lot of practice and a lot of training to get yourself to see the positives that come out of the negatives, right? And and come out of events that on the surface seem negative and whatnot. I mean, like uh, this year, uh, for example, you know, uh, my wife lost her job. Okay, she got laid off. Uh, The issues that were going on in her company, and I can't really talk about what company she worked for and all that. You know, I mean, yeah, just respecting her privacy, of course, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, where she worked, the the company was already struggling. 
And COVID-19 only sped up. Well, not really. I'm not going to even say it was COVID-19. It was lockdowns. Let's be honest. It was the lockdowns. It was the overreaction for a virus that doesn't even kill the vast majority of people and infects. That's the truth. The vaccine is unnecessary. We don't really need it. All the vaccine will do is basically cause your body to produce more antibodies and, or, and increase your own immunity. doesn't stop the spreading of it all. Okay. Basically, it only encourages and helps herd immunity. That whole theory. And there are so many people out there that are looking for the virus that even, you know, shot down the idea of herd, herd immunity. And well, anyways, the point is the vaccine is really more for psychological purposes, in my opinion. It, it, it's really going to help people to recover uh, the sentiment of that, hey, I can, I need to get out there. I need to live my life again. That's going to help people get back to normal. Now, I'm not going to say one way or the other. I don't trust the vaccine right now. I think it's too early. I think it was rushed too quickly. I will not get it. I'm going to wait and see if there's any adverse reactions to it. And if I can prevent getting it, I'm not going to get it at all. I mean, I haven't gotten the, for a long time, I, I went through a number of years where I never got the flu shot and yet I never even got the flu. I don't think they're that effective. I think, and I think that the long-term effects of vaccines, even the ones that we've been using for a long time, like the flu vaccine, you know, and, and the various types of those flu vaccines, you know, even then, you know, we don't know the long-term effects of those, let alone a brand new one that we don't know about. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I am very skeptical about the vaccinations. I'm very skeptical about all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, at one point in my time in my life, I didn't, I wasn't skeptical and I got the flu vaccine probably like every freaking year. I never really saw any issues with it. And then, you know, over time I started questioning that kind of stuff and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go without it. And I think I went like three, four years. I never, I never got sick once. I mean, I got sick, but I never got sick with the flu and whatnot. I was always perfectly fine. But anyways, that said, I digress. The fact <laughs> there's always positives and negatives, but, and so let's get back to the situation right here. This year, my wife lost her job and within a month, she was able to find another job. And it's, it's not a hundred, she's just working contract right now. So she's not even on there permanently yet. So we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen to that. We're talking about selling our house, potentially moving into a rental property. And, you know, I see a lot of bad things on the horizon, particularly for the real estate market. I see the, the, the mortgage forbearances will be up on, in, on March this year, I think March 31st or something like that. And so uh, just to give you guys a little bit of a highlight, the mortgage forbearances, if you don't know. So the CARES Act gave people the ability to basically defer their mortgages for 360 days. But when you go into a default for your mortgage, you get another 30-day grace period as well. So you could consider the forbearance to be up to 390 days, which depending on when you started the forbearances, they're probably going to end somewhere around... April and May and somewhere around there. And it's going to be a massive chunk of people, millions. I mean, they're estimating tens of millions of people are going to default on their mortgages. And now we're starting to look at a situation very similar to that of 2008. Now, what's going to happen? I don't know. The government could come in. They could really end up, you know, screwing with the system, prolonging the inevitable, pushing it out, increasing forbearances. I, I don't know. I know that they did that with the, the renters moratorium. It was supposed to end December 31st. They pushed it out to the end of January of this year. So we'll see if they push it out again. I don't really know what's going to happen. Nobody has a crystal ball, so nobody really does. What I can say is that 
I'm not really feeling too confident owning a house right now. And I'm thinking if we go down to a rental property, that will position ourselves better. So, you know, so that if it does crash, we will be able to buy up a a cheaper house and a bigger house in a nicer area or an area that we prefer to be in. And that's that's one thing we're, we're considering doing. I don't know if we will actually make that decision or not, but that's one thing that we'll that we'll have to see. But when my wife lost her job and she got this other job, she started to realize all the negative things that were at her job and she was just because she was so emotional not wanting to go without an income because of the fear of it all she was blind from seeing a lot of the negative aspects she knew a lot of them and she admitted to a lot of them uh, about her other company and whatnot it wasn't a bad company but there were some negative things that were there you know just like there is with every job right but at the same time she didn't see all the negative aspects of it until she went to the other company And now she thinks she's actually in a better position than what she was before. The workload is better. The the manager is better so far. Everything, most of the stuff seems to be better. And of course, it's not perfect as nothing else is. As nothing is, perfection is not long for this world, right? But there are a lot of different things that have been improved just by the fact that she lost her job. You know, it... There's a lot of good things that came out of that, and despite the fact that the vast majority of people would look at that one situation as nothing more than a terrible, negative, awful situation that nobody wants to be in. Yet, there are positives that come out of the negatives. Now, hopefully, the job she has right now will materialize into something a bit more permanent and not a contractor position. And uh, and whatnot. So hopefully that will that will happen as well. And I think I, I think there's a, pr- a high chance that it will. But the fact of the matter is that th- there, there are always positives. I mean, with my wife losing her job again, she got to spend even more time with our daughter, seeing her, our daughter develop and grow up. That was amazing. She got to spend time, you know, with with us and the family a lot more. It was great. That was great. There's always a silver lining. There's always lots of silver linings, not just one silver lining. There's always positives in every negative situation. And it's important for us to keep that in mind going into 2021. You know, I didn't really want this episode today to be about negativity and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to kind of, you know, talk about what what we're looking forward to this year and, uh, you know, what I'm looking forward to, what I'm going to be doing this year for my business, for the podcast and whatnot. Uh, some, nah, I don't like New Year's resolutions because nobody ever holds up to them, you know. Um, yeah, no one ever holds up to New Year's resolutions, but so I'm not really a huge fan of all that. But I will say that I, I am I am looking to improve upon what I've been doing and whatnot and what are the areas I can work on and how can I improve on what I'm doing. So I'm going to be starting a, a service pretty soon here, the Matthew Spazitti Elite Group or the – I can't really determine the name for it. I think the service uh, is going to be the Liberty Informant, right? I think that's the name I'm going to call it. But it's going to be a service that you get by being part of the Matthew Spazidi's Elite Group. And that's going to be a private group for the show, and you're going to get access to that service if you go ahead and subscribe. Uh, I currently don't... I was really debating about building out a, a landing page and a payment with a payment portal and all this kind of stuff, and I never got around to it. Frankly, I decided against it because it would have taken a lot of time to do that, and right now, I think it's best just to start you know, recording articles. I've got 
got so many articles from the places I want to read from. So, you know, I mean, for, for those of you guys who are just tuning in, you know, basically what the Liberty Informant is going to be is where I'm going to be coming in and I'm going to be reading articles from the Mises Institute, the Foundation for Economic Education, and the American Institute for Economic Research. These are all amazing, amazing publications. And the reason I'm going to be reading them is because there's a lot of people out there who want to be informed of this information. There's so much education here. There's so much stuff that's going on, not just, you know, being informed of recent events that occur, whether they're political or economic, but they do talk about that. So it's a great way to stay up to date on what's really going on, but it's also going to be a great way to, you know, maintain being educated. I'm not always going to read articles that were literally posted on that day or on that week. I'm going to be going back in the archives and I'm going to be reading stuff that will help us to understand certain key Austrian economic theories and to grasp certain ideas, it's all highly, highly valuable. And the, f the problem is, because it's in written form, you have to read it. You have to take time to read it. Well, as you well know, there's a lot of people out there who that don't have that time. So I was going to come in and I had this idea that I'm going to read it so that you guys can listen to it. If it's in audio format, you guys are going to have a lot more access to this information. You're going to be able to listen to it a lot easier. You can listen to it on your drive to work. If you, if you have to drive into work, you can listen to it on your lunch break. You can listen to it when you're you know about to go to bed at night, whatever. You can spend 5, 10, 12 minutes. I mean, I, these aren't going to be very long, and you can listen to it, and you can get all that information. I love reading this stuff. It's something that I very much enjoy. I have a huge passion for I love researching, and I love reading articles, and I figured, how can I tie that in to what I'm doing here? So this year, I'm going to be rolling that out. I'm going to be recording articles. I don't know how many articles I'm going to get each and every day. I think I'm going to do one free episode per day. So you guys can get an, an idea about what it's like. And then the other three or four, or however many I do, are all going to be paid ones. You have to be part of the, the Matthews Spazidi Elite group in order to gain access to those. And I think that's ultimately what I'm going to do. And it'll probably be a Monday through Friday type of thing and whatnot. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. But that's going to be something I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be changing how I'm recording these episodes. I'm still going to be coming out with two episodes a week, but I'm thinking about coming out in and doing the recordings over the, the, the weekend prior to the week, and that way I have the entire week to edit. One of the issues I was having last year was I was recording the episodes on uh, Monday and Tuesday, or sometimes Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I was spending the rest of the week editing them, and... I really didn't finish the editing process till sometime over the weekend, which really killed my family time. And it wasn't very positive for, my, for me and my family. So my wife had this great idea. Why don't you record over the weekends and then you don't have to worry about editing. Recording will be faster. You only have to spend 30 minutes or an hour recording and then you can edit it throughout the rest of the week and you'll have more time. You'll have Monday through Friday to edit them. There's no reason you couldn't get that done before the weekend and whatnot. And I'm like, eh, that's not a bad idea. Not a terrible idea at all. And uh, so the, I'm going to try that, see how that works out. I'm still going to be producing two episodes a week for you guys. That's, that's definitely going to go on and whatnot. And, you know, there's also one other thing that you guys actually don't see that I've been really struggling with. And I struggled with it a lot last year, and I'd like to not struggle with it this year, so we'll see how that's going to go. Uh, 
basically, I'm trying to become a consistently profitable Forex trader. In order to do that, I need to create strategies and backtest them over historical data, chart data. Uh, if you go to tradingview.com, the charts that you see that are on TradingView, you know, price charts and stuff, candlestick price charts, that's what I'm talking about. I go over and I roll those charts back, not on TradingView because they don't give you enough data, but I roll them back years and years, like up to nine years worth of data. And then I basically, I move the right of the t- the screen to the last candlestick that I could see. And then I kind of just press on the right directional keypad one, just one candlestick at a time. One press unveils one candlestick and I just keep going tick by tick. And I test my strategy out as if it was live data. And I think that's a really, it's a really cool way of testing your theories as to whether or not your trading strategy is going to work over, you know, in the future. While past performance is not indicative of future performance, it's the only measuring stick that we have. So last year, I really struggled to come in and do the backtesting. I did 100 trades for like three different markets and three uh, with one time frame and one strategy, right? And I say markets. What I mean is, you know, the... Aussie dollar, it's the Australian dollar versus the US dollar or the CAD Swiss, the Canadian dollar versus the Swiss franc or something of that nature, right? I mean, so one currency pair is what I mean by when I say one market, okay? And for a lot of you guys, if you don't understand Forex trading, this is going to go right over your head. But the the idea is that last year I was producing trading videos. I I kind of ended up stopping all of that. I was posting trades on TradingView. I kind of stopped doing some of that too. And to be frank, I just I felt like I I really needed to focus a hundred percent on the podcast. And I stopped doing a lot of different type of stuff. And the podcast takes up a lot of time. And we'll get into that right after I'm done talking about this. But so. Anyway, so I did. So what I really want to do is I want to be very, very consistent and good about backtesting my strategies because, regardless of however I'm able to be successful online with making money and a business and all that, I want trading to be a part of my life. I love trading. I really do have a passion for it. There are aspects of it that I don't like, but for the most part, it's a great skill to have. I think everybody should have it. If one day I decide I don't want to do a podcast anymore, if one day I decide I don't want to do, I don't want to teach people trading, if I don't want to do anything other than just trade, I can do that. I don't have to sell anything to anybody. I don't have to market anything to anybody. I just have to trade and that's it. Trading alone can be a business and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to have any interactions with anybody else and you can make that into a business. Now, you tend to need, you need a lot of money in order to do that. Okay, mind you, it's not, you're not going to be able to turn it into a living if you're only making 3000 if you only have a $3,000 account and you're, let's say you're returning 12 or 20, probably 20 to 30%, you know, a year and your expenses are well in the, over five, you know, two to three thousand dollars a year or a month, every single month, and that's your expenses. You know, you're not going to be able to live off that kind of an income. But what you can do is you find ways of increasing your account, and then over time, you, you can eventually get there. But it takes time, right? You have to build up your account. It takes years. If you don't have a lot of money um, initially to put forth towards it, that you contribute a certain amount of money to the account every single month, and you just take those contributions out of your statistics when you're looking at your your account growth and whatnot. And 
that will help you to exponentially grow the account and you'll have that whole compounding interest type of thing. But your performance will be the interest and all that kind of stuff. Your performance will determine that. And it's going to fluctuate from a month to month basis, from on a year to year basis, basis as to how you do. But anyways, that said, I love trading. I want it to be a part of my life. I think it's a highly valuable skill that every single human being needs to know how to do. I really do. I think it's an amazing skill to have. So I want it to be part of my life. But last year, while I did work on it a lot, I cannot say I worked on it as consistently as I as I hoped that I would. So I, I want to work on that a lot better this year. I want to be more consistent. And I want to finish the backtesting this year. So that's another goal that I have. And, um, and yeah, well back to, uh, so I said that there's a lot of work that goes into podcasting. There is, you know, a lot of people get into podcasting because they think it's easy. All I got to do is get in front of a mic and all I got to do is talk in front of it and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot that goes into talking into a mic and doing a podcast that a lot of people don't think about. If you want to talk about a particularly complicated topic, you're going to have to do a lot of research for that. That takes time. You know, the editing alone, if you make a lot of mistakes, what I mean by that is saying, uh, or things of that nature, or maybe you say something that you don't really want. And then you say something, you, you pause and then you say something else. You got to edit the first part out and you got to try to, you know, piece it all together, make it sound good. And there's just a lot of stuff like that. If you have noise in the background, you can either choose to leave it in if it's not that bad, if you think most people won't recognize it, or you could try to edit that out as well. There's a ton, a ton of different things that go into, you know, podcasting. And that's what I just described is out uh, the editing alone. If you're doing like an hour long episode, they typically say double the time that you're editing. So if you're editing an hour, it's probably going to take you two hours, if not more depending on how much work you have to do just to finish the editing. Now, if you're a pro and you're really good at it, then maybe not, but I'm not a pro. I'm not a pro when it comes to editing. I'm very, very uh, amateur in that sense. And I'm learning new and new stuff, new and new ways of, of speeding up the process. But still, to some extent, you just if you don't make a lot of mistakes, you don't have a lot of problems. But if you make a lot of mistakes or if you're like me and you're a bit of a perfectionist and you're a little obsessive compulsive about it, you're going to be you're going to think you have a lot of mistakes in winning reality, you probably could leave a lot of that in and most people aren't going to care. But like I said, that takes hours and hours to do. But then when you're done with that, no, and you post the episode, you got, you got to come up with the title. You got to come up with the descriptions. That's, it doesn't take that long, but then you have to post it out to all the social media sites. That takes a while too. Do not underestimate that. That takes hours, or at least it can. It kind of depends on how many social media sites you're on, but it takes a lot of time. It really does. It's not a fast process, okay? Not every uh, social media website has the same formatting, so it's difficult to do. And it's one of those things where it just it takes a lot of time in order to post your stuff there. And, and then that's not even including all the extra content that you have to post on the social media platforms as well just to, to build your following because if you're just posting your podcast episodes, unless you're in a very, very popular niche, it's going to be difficult to actually grow your following by just posting podcast episodes. And then, you know, if you want to post if you want to turn your podcast into like a video, uh, Tom Woods does this all the time. He takes his podcast episode, he puts a background on the videos and a thumbnail and voila, he's got himself a video and whatnot. And I don't know if he's the one that does this or if he pays somebody else to do it. Odds are he's successful enough. He's probably paying somebody else to do it at this point. 
but you could turn your podcast episode into a video, but that takes time too. That can take hours. You got to create the graphics. If you're going to use a background, I mean, Tom Woods uses a template and he doesn't change that template. All he changes are the words behind it. So you could do something like that. And you could operate off templates for your thumbnails. You can operate off templates for your your uh, the background on your videos and stuff. But again, it takes time. It takes a long, a lot of time to do. It's not a quick and easy process. Although working off templates does make that better. But it takes time. There's a lot of, of stuff that goes into it. You know, again, most people think podcasting is easy. Oh, I'll just come in, talk into a mic, post the episode, done and done. Well, yeah. You can, it can be easy like that, but you're not going to get anywhere, especially if you're not going to be promoting it on social media sites and stuff. You know, it's uh, no one's going to know that you exist in most cases. So you got to promote yourself. You got to do all the editing and everything else to give a good quality product out there. So anyways, podcasting, it, well, I don't, I don't want to, if you're, if you're on the fence about it, go ahead and take the dive and get started. It really is rewarding. It's an amazing thing that you guys can do. I absolutely love it. I love it so much. Uh, there's a lot of things about it that I don't like, okay? The editing, the, the the posting on social media sites. I don't like that kind of stuff, but I do absolutely love coming in here and spending time with you guys. I love producing content that you guys enjoy listening to. I, I love all that. It's great stuff. You know, it really is good stuff. And I, I, I love it. Very, I, I have a passion for it. I really do. But that being said, ladies and gentlemen, it's a it, look, look, podcasting is a great and amazing thing. If you're like I said, if you're on the fence, I would highly recommend that you do just don't think that it's going to be easy. While it's very easy, you know, in the sense that it's very simplistic, it's not complicated. It's it's very hard to do. There's a lot of work that you got it that goes into producing a good show. There's a lot more work at it, you know? And now if you're a pro, if you've been doing it for a long time, you don't make very many mistakes, you know, editing is very easy, then okay, you know, then it's probably not that big of a deal for you. But if you're not and you're just new at it kind of like me, you know, this show is still very much in its infancy and whatnot, you know, it, it can be difficult. But anyways, you know, moving on from podcasting and stuff, it's a, it's a great thing. If you're on the fence, get, get started, go do it. You need to control the source of your income. If podcasting is your weapon of choice, then, uh, then go for it, you know, sell out to it, you know, find out what a topic that you're very, very passionate about and start talking about it. You can talk about anything. There's tons of podcasts out there that where people are talking about anything, <laughs> anything they can think of. It's really, it really is a, a very, very cool thing. So anyways, look, kind of getting back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. There's always going to be positive thing or negative aspects of of all the things that we love. This kind of really goes into a topic that I'm 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 passionate about. Granted, what do I talk about on the show that I'm not passionate about, but you know, I mean or that I don't care about in one form or fashion, but I mean there is this whole idea, I'm sure you've heard of it, do what you love, right? Everyone says this when it comes to, you know, finding a job, going to college, starting a business, whatever it is, do what you love. Well, so many people don't know what they love. They haven't really experienced a whole lot. And I'm not talking about experiences like traveling and, and stuff like that. I'm talking about it, or partying or things of that nature. What I'm talking about in terms of experiences is that they don't have a lot of skills. They, they haven't tried a lot of different things. You know, they sit on their their couch, you know, they play video games, they binge watch Netflix, you know, they don't really get out, they don't really do much. When it comes to a skill, 
right? Maybe they have a hobby or, or two or things of that nature, but that's about it, you know? So there's a lot of people who don't know what they really want to do for the rest of their life because they haven't really ever sat down and thought about it. But the idea of doing what you love, there's a bit of that, st- that statement that annoys the crap out of me because there's a lot of people that say that. And they allude to this idea that if you do what you love, you'll never, ever feel like you're working. That's a load of BS. Maybe that's true for some people. If that's true for them, they are the exception to the rule. But the fact of the matter is that it will, their work will always feel like work. There's always going to be things that you hate about the things that you love. And I've said this multiple times and a lot of people like, well, Matthew, I feel better. You're just being a killjoy. But it's like, you know what? I'm sorry, but it's true. Let's stop living in the clouds and, and let's come down to reality and focus on the truth. And the truth is, is that no matter what it is that you're doing, you're going to have to do stuff that you don't want to do, that you find is annoying, you find is a drag. It's not sexy to say that, which is why a lot of marketers, a lot of people who are trying to get you to be entrepreneurs, a lot of those types of people, they're not going to say it because it isn't sexy, but it's the truth. And I don't want people going into trying to become an entrepreneur, trying to create their own business. I don't want that person to go in and do that without knowing the truth and without weighing the, the, the pros and the cons. Some people say, if I really knew what I was getting into, I never would have done it. So it's good to not know what you're getting into and just to dive into it. Yeah, that's probably true to some extent, but still, I would have rather had known ahead of time what I was getting myself into, like trading. The first time I heard about trading was from my father. The company that he went with, was I just had a lot of disagreements with. You know, first and foremost, I didn't feel like the company was very open and straightforward with what the realities of trading really were. You know, I felt like they focused more on the lifestyle that traders could potentially live, although many traders don't end up living that kind of lifestyle, but they focused more on that, on the lifestyle of, you know, being rich and wealthy, trading from the beach, that kind of stuff, then they actually focused on the realities of trading. And I would have preferred that somebody was honest with me and told me what I was really getting into when it came to trading. Now, in in the end, it wouldn't have mattered one way or the other. I was bound and determined, just like I am bound and determined today, to become a consistently profitable trader. But still, it would have been nice to know the realities of it all. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I really like the the trading company that I ended up finding. You see, when my dad got into trading, I kind of started doing my own research on trading and all that kind of stuff, and I ended up finding Trade Empowered. Now, the guys at Trade Empowered ended up going and starting their own company called Tier 1 Trading, which is a really, really great company, and I absolutely love them. But one of the things that these guys were saying, you know, Akil Stokes, Jason Greystone, Charles Miles, Darren Oglesby, and Jason Stapleton when he was trading, back when he was at Trading Powered, one thing that they were all saying was that it's not a matter of if you're going to lose money. It's a matter of when you're going to lose money. And they didn't just teach you a black box strategy where you didn't really know what was going on and you just had to follow these rules. They told you how to create your own strategy. They taught you how to backtest it. They taught you, you know, all the things you needed to know in order to have the skill of trading. Whereas the other company that my father went with just taught him a a strategy and gave him a certain set of rules and, you know, said, stick to these rules and you'll be fine. Well, the problem with that was that he was never going to believe in those rules. They set him up for failure. They didn't tell him to create belief in the rules. You know, backtest it, see its historical performance for yourself so that you know what to expect 
when you're actually trading with live data. So eventually he abandoned the strategy. He started breaking the rules because he had no belief in it to begin with. You see, it was all about the transparency. The company my dad went with wasn't really honest about a lot of that kind of stuff. They kind of just brushed over it if they covered it at all. And frankly, I don't remember really them covering it much. And that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So when it came to two one trading, they told me the truth up front. And I very, very, very much appreciated that. And I really wish I would have found trading powered slash tier one trading. And no, they're not the same company, but I really wish I would have found these guys before I found the company that my dad had gone with and that I would have started off with the right expectation and started off with knowing the real risks that are involved and how it's going to take you a while to accomplish this. This is not an overnight thing. This is not a get rich quick scheme. You know, it could take you years to accomplish this skill, although it's on a spectrum. It depends on the individual, but it can take a while. But this is a skill that you're going to have to learn. And that's the reality of it. And, you know, the guys at Tier 1 Trading, they also were upfront about it. They also told you, told me that, you know, hey, not all the stuff you're going to have to do is going to be stuff that you're going to enjoy. It's, yes, you might like, you lo- might love trading, but there's a lot of uh, drudgery and a lot of repetitive, monotonous things that you have to do when it comes to trading. And that kind of sucks, but that's part of it. So it was great. I did eventually get my mindset corrected when I found the guys at Tier 1 Trading, Jason Stapleton and stuff. Uh, of course, when they were, I found them when they were at Trade Empowered and then when they moved over to tier one trading and stuff like that. But it was very, very, very helpful. And I did get my mindset corrected with what my expectations were. And I had my expectations corrected, but I didn't find them right off the bat. And I wish I had when it came to trading, it would have helped. I I wouldn't have had to go through the pain of having the expectations corrected. But it was the very idea that they were transparent that, that really made me love what they were doing. But that's why I'm telling you what I'm telling you today about the truth about it all. It doesn't matter what you choose to do, whether you choose to blog, whether you choose to, you know, do podcasting. If you're going to be vlogging, like a, it's a, a, for those of you who don't know that vernacular, right, that terminology, what it is, it's a, a vlog is a, a video blog. That, that's all it is. It's not complicated at all, but that's just the, that's just the terminology that people use. And it's, it's largely associated with any kind of video platforms, uh, website, kind of like a uh, YouTube or rumble or BitChute or those types of companies, Vimeo, but vlogging is very, very popular and you, you can, you can be successful. Look, you could do, be successful doing anything. If you're into gaming, you could totally make videos on gaming. You could totally have an, a, a website where all you do is you blog and you write about the game. I mean, the games are constantly updating all the time. So you could totally talk about those. You could talk about the new strategies and stuff of that nature. If you, if you're into cars, cars is a pretty easy one. You know, I mean, all you got to do, you got to get a camera you go to dealerships, ask them to look around your, the car, you know, you can record, uh, the car, all the images, you can overlay a, a kind of an audio that you do separately where you talk about the, st- the stats and you talk about the cool aspects of the car. If you want to do a live drive, that gets a little bit more complicated and whatnot, but it's it's not impossible to do. You know, and there's a lot of really cool things that you can do out there. There's tons of stuff. There's a guy that I heard about recently that freaking, he's into sim racing, right? Simulated racing. And he plays this game where you actually have to fix your cars. It's 
all simulation. So it says supposed to be as realistic as possible. And there's this guy. I think he used to work on race cars or something like that. So he knows, he actually has all the mechanical know-how to actually work with his, with this car. But there's a lot of gamers who get on this, this game and it's so realistic. They're like, I, dude, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this car. This, I don't know that much about cars, at least not in the mechanical aspects of it. And I'm like, uh, w- w- you know, what the heck? I don't know what I'm doing. And it's so funny because that's not even a niche that you would think that anybody would do. And yet he does it and he makes money doing it. And he's, gr- and it's great for him. And then there's also another thing. There's another one that I've heard of. Some guy, all he does is he opens up booster packs of sports cards. I I guess baseball cards. I'm not sure if there's specifically baseball cards, but sports cards. And that's it. He just opens them up on the internet. Basically, people, uh, they contribute money. I guess it's kind of more of a lottery type of thing. And whoever wins... He opens them up on the internet and he shows people that. And he makes enough money to live off that. How insane is that? Why? I can't even imagine. I mean, I I would never have thought that those types of things. The sim racing, I can kind of understand. But the, the sports cards, the baseball cards, whatever it was, that's hard to imagine for me. I mean, I can't believe there are people that make money doing that. And yet there are. So the truth is, is that you can make money doing anything. But in everything that you're going to choose to do that you love, there are there is going to be a certain level of work. There is going to be a certain level of grinding uh, that you got to do. So anyways, the fact of the matter is, regardless of what you choose, there are always going to be things about what you love that you don't really want to do, okay? But that's, the na- that's just the nature of life, and you're going to have to do it. And ladies and gentlemen, in the year 2021, If you haven't started something, you need to start. Stop prolonging it. Stop using other justifications. I don't have time. I'm too busy. I got my full-time job. Then I got to come home and do with, you know, take care of my kids and stuff. I I get it. I get it. I, you know, I totally understand, but I can tell you that there is time. Maybe you have to stay up late at night. Maybe you have to work on the weekends. I don't know, but you've got to do something. You cannot rely and be dependent on somebody else for your income. If you do, you need to understand the risks that are associated with that. You may lose your job and you may get no say in it whatsoever. You know, there are risks associated with it. You can't control your own time. You can't take vacation whenever you want. You can't go on a break whenever you want. You can't control your time. And it's going to suck at first because especially if you're working a full-time job and you got kids and you got, you got a wife or a husband or whatever. Yeah, it probably is going to suck for a while when you're trying to fit it into your already pretty busy schedule when you didn't think you had time to begin with. But ladies and gentlemen, it is incredibly fulfilling when you start to achieve success. When you start to see the, the, the fruits of your labor come out, it is incredibly, incredibly amazing. And I think that if, if anything, we need to focus on positivity this year. We need to focus on hope. All right. There's a lot of stuff that's coming down the road this year, and I don't think it's going to be positive, but that doesn't mean that we can't have an amazing year. There were positive things that happened in 2020. There are going to be positive things that happen in 2021, regardless of how, how it all turns out. There's going to be positive things. We just have to make the choice to see that. So, and that would be my, my, my overarching message is that 
there's always positives and negatives in everything that happens in our life and everything that we choose to do. So I, you know, it's not like you can make a per, there is no such thing as the perfect choice or the perfect scenario that maybe we think that there's a perfect scenario in our head, but when, if we ever were to actually get what we want in our heads, you're going to realize right away that there's a lot of uh, cons to that as well. It's not as perfect as you thought it would be, but with that said, that's a positive message. It's a good thing to know. That's a good thing to be aware of. That's a great perspective to have because it means that no matter how bad life gets, there's always going to be positives. There's always going to be a positive thing. We just have to choose to see it. And maybe it takes somebody else looking that's not directly involved to tell us it so that we can see it. But there's always positive stuff, ladies and gentlemen. There always is. No matter what's going on, there's always positive. Really, really, you know, natural disaster. There are positives that come out of it. Maybe not a lot, but they are there. You know, maybe someone in your family has a medical problem and it doesn't seem like there's any hope. There are positives there too. It's hard to see. Trust me, it's hard to see. But there are positives there. It's just a matter of whether you want to see them or not. I remember when my when my grandparents passed away. It was really hard, you know. It was it was very very difficult for my dad. It was it was hit my dad's parents and whatnot. Very very hard. I love and and I knew my grandparents very well. We used to go up and visit them probably once a year. Every every around the Christmas time, it was always wintry when we went up there, and we used to hang out with them. We used to spend time with them. They were great, great loving, amazing people. And when they passed away, it was hard. It was hard on my, my dad. It was hard on the whole family. And you're, you're probably asking yourself, how can you see any positives in the death of a family member? Well, it's hard to say, but there are positives. It brought the family together. That's a positive thing. It got the family communicating again when before they weren't really making much of an effort. You can't say that's a negative. It's positive. You know, if you believe in heaven, if you're a Christian like like I am, then I know that they are in heaven. They're not suffering anymore. They were very old. They were they had a lot of men, they had a lot of mental issues. My my grandmother had dementia. My grandfather had a lot of other whole host of medical problems. They're not suffering anymore. That's a positive. Also, it may have gotten some certain family members to realize that life eventually ends. And that I need to take action today in order to ensure that I have a long, happy, healthy, and successful life. And that's not just talk about money, you know, it's also talk about lifestyle in terms of what you're eating, talking about, you know, your, I mean, look, I'm not a picturesque, I mean, if you've seen any pictures of me, I'm not hugely, you know, fat or anything, but I'm also not super skinny and I'm working on that. But it gets you to realize I need to eat healthier. I need to be better than what I'm being. And it makes you it makes you realize that that's a positive thing. Yeah, I know the other day I, I heard about a guy who was, I think he was only like 37 years old, maybe 35. I'm 31 right now. And this guy had a heart attack. And I've thought free, and I've struggled with blood pressure, high blood pressure for a couple of years now. And I've been on blood pressure medication and I hate being on it. And I wanted to lose the weight and I've, I've, had a lot of really, really good strides. I've made a lot of progress, but I've also taken a lot of steps back. 
it's really hard to stay on that consistent and you know stay on the bandwagon and consistently lose the weight consistently track what you're eating and things of that nature i usually count calories with a fitbit and i also uh count carbs it's kind of i i i, I do a combination of the two when i do it I do very, very well. I don't really work out that much. What I do is I just, I start walking around the house. I walk in place while I'm watching my daughter or I start doing laps around the house, you know, start walking in circles around the kitchen and living room. But hey, I've lost a lot of weight doing that. When I do it consistently, I lose a lot of weight. It works and it's easy. You know, it's difficult to, it takes a lot of motivation. It takes a lot of uh, coming in and consistently doing that type of stuff each and every day. But it's not going for a run. I hate running. Hurts like like crap. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it a lot. Okay, I really, really do not like it. You know, I don't like lifting weights. I don't like going to the gym. But I want to lose weight. And when I heard about this individual who had a heart attack at such a young age, I didn't think that it was going to. It could happen to me. I thought ah, I'm too young. I'll be fine. Whatever. It made me realize. Uh, I was being stupid when I said that. So I started taking my health seriously. I started to count calories and I've lost a lot of weight ever since then. And I'm still losing weight today. Now, granted, the holidays came around and I'm not going to even be doing my diet. I mean, if you guys choose to do your diet over the holidays, you got a lot of willpower. I I just don't. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I just don't. I'm not interested in doing that kind of stuff over the holidays. I'm going to eat what I want. Holidays are short-lived. They're meant to be enjoyed. I'm not going to say I can't have food or something. I'll try to control. I'm not going to go hog wild and crazy, but I'm not going to ruin the holidays by not allowing myself to eat some holiday goodness. But that said, holidays are over. Now it's time to get back on it. Now it's time to lose that weight. Time to count those calories and watch the carbs and get the steps and and burn some calories off. It's it's time to start being healthy. So that's what I'm going to do. Get back on it today. But it was hearing that story that made me realize. And that was a positive thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how negative the situation is. There are always positives that come out of it. And whether you are a Christian or not is, is I mean, if you're listening to me on the show, I, I'm assuming that you are a Christian, although I'm sure there are people who listen to the show who aren't. That's cool. You don't have to agree with me. But I do have the opinion that Out of every bad and negative thing that happens in the world, God uses that for positive reasons. There is a reason that he allowed it to happen. As terrible as it may have been, as horrible and as painful as it may have been, there was a reason for it, okay? And as a result of that, he allows positive things to happen out of negative things. Maybe it's hard or near impossible for us to see it in the moment. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's all a matter of mindset. It's all a matter of how we're viewing the situation. So, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what 2021 brings, I'm very excited. I've got a lot that I'm looking forward to this year. I'm going to be pushing to, you know, grow the show even more so than it already has. I'm going to be pushing to make more money and just a ton of stuff. And to improve on myself, and I would hope that you guys would do the same. But it's not something that we should be doing at, at the end of the year, in the beginning of a new year, or New Year's resolutions. I hate those. But it, it's not it's not something that we should be doing in that sense. We should be trying to to self improve, 
every single year, every single day. We really should. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know we didn't re- we didn't really talk about much about, you know, economics and some political stuff. We will cover that in the next episode. We'll talk about the stimulus, some of the stuff about the stimulus checks. We'll talk about maybe the presidency. I, mean, I don't really know. There's not a whole lot to be said there. I mean, I think Biden's going to win and whether we like it or not, that's just going to be the case. But that said, we can still choose how our life turns out and some president isn't going to change that, okay? We choose the destiny of our life. There are things that are happening that we cannot control, but we choose how we react, therefore, and that determines direction. So regardless of who's in office, regardless of what kind of crazy policies they implement or whatnot, there is always going to be options for us. So ladies and gentlemen, 2021, nobody knows how it's going to play out. Everybody hopes it's going to be better. I hope it's going to be better as well. I've got my doubts, but hey, plan for the worst, hope for the best, right? That's my motto if I start having a motto. (laughs) But anyways, look, I think it's going to be a great year. If we choose it to be a great year, I think it's going to be a great year. I think it really boils down to choice. So uh, what are you going to choose? You're going to choose to uh, wallow in self-pity if this ends up being just as bad as last year? Or are you going to choose to make the year what you want it to be? It's your choice. No one else can choose but you. So, ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are. If you're liking this message of financial freedom and you're liking what I'm saying here, then make sure to share the show and head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It's always much appreciated and it helps to support the show. And if you want to support us in a financial way, you can always donate to the show too. I'll post all the links in the description below. Uh, We're not going to do any affiliate programs today because quite frankly, I didn't really feel like it. So, And if you want to get involved in my elite group and also get involved in the service that I'm going to be doing, the Liberty Informant, then head over to Locals.com. I'm going to be linking that up with a Stripe account here pretty soon, and I'm going to be start posting uh, content there. So I decided to not go with building my own landing page, and I decided just to go with Locals.com. So you guys, I will post the link in the show notes or description, wherever you're listening to this. I will post the link to all that below. So... That said, ladies and gentlemen, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.